0: Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, are you ready for championship weekend in the ACC, among other games?
1: Championship weekend, but can we really call it that, Joey, with Virginia <laughs> Tech playing? <laughs> Probably not. Cell
0: phone. Cell phone.
1: Or NC State, for that matter.
0: That's a, Hey, that's fair. Um, yeah. yeah, Mike, we, uh, we it's championship weekend. Uh, that means that the regular season is over, except that it's not. Um, we have just a championship game left to preview, among others. And so that's what we're going to do. It's kind of a weird one, and, and we'll kind of explain here in a little bit. Most of you already probably know what we're talking about, but we will get there shortly. For now, Mike, let's start with the uh, the main event here of the weekend, the ACC championship game. 8 o'clock p.m., ABC, the number two Clemson Tigers in Charlotte taking on the Pitt Panthers. Clemson is a mere 26 and a half point favorite in this game, Mike. Um, Here's the thing. Clemson, they are 12 and 0. They are one win away from going to the playoff for the fourth straight year. Um, They play against a Pittsburgh team here that um, is, you know, they won their division. They won their division, but that's maybe some of the best that we can say about them. On the other hand, Pitt is not a stranger to playing spoiler um, to to some of these highly ranked teams. And in particular, Clemson, I mean, they played two years ago, and this is the only team that beat the national champion Clemson Tigers in 2016. Here's where we're at, Mike. Can Clemson just totally run away with us, or can Pitt make this at least a little bit interesting or perhaps pull the outright upset?
1: Well, that's what ABC is hoping for.
0: they signed this tv deal a long time ago yeah
1: i'll tell you what they would love to see a competitive acc championship game Mm -hmm. uh that's a bummer for them Yep, that's a bummer for them uh no it's not going to be competitive Mm. want me to add more to that i can
0: any yeah any color you know i I don't know i'm I'm tempted here 26 and a half is a lot of points don't convince me otherwise
1: Uh, Pitt just lost to a mediocre Miami team by three touchdowns on Saturday.
0: Hmm. This is a good point.
1: And uh, Clemson hasn't lost a game all year.
0: Also a good point.
1: And Clemson's probably one of the, you know, not probably, is. Clemson is one of the four best teams in the country. And
0: uh, I I could argue, like, two best teams in the country. (laughs) Yes.
1: Uh, Which makes sense because they're ranked number two. So look at that math, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The ranking matches how good they are and um, Pittsburgh is not I mean they're 7-5 for a reason (laughs) they were they were fun for a few weeks and then uh, they came crashing back to earth so yeah I would love to I would love to see this game be competitive just for all of our all of our sakes right as ACC fans but Clemson is way too good. And what Pitt does well is run the football. What Clemson does well is stopping the run. And uh, I think where Clemson has some issues, as we saw against South Carolina with Jake Bentley, Jake Bentley going for over 500 yards in that game last weekend. uh, We see that if there's any vulnerability for Clemson, it's in the secondary. And I'm not sure Pitt will be able to exploit that with uh, Mr. Kenny Pickett at the helm. Right. So I think Clemson swallows up the running game at Pittsburgh. I think Kenny Pickett has a hard time throwing into this Clemson Tigers defense. And I think overall it's just going to be a route, Joey. Should you lose me? Yeah,
0: I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, no, I tend to agree with that, Mike. I, I just what we saw Miami's defense do against Pittsburgh, it's I mean it's only going to be magnified by Clemson. I, I don't know that Clemson's defense is uh, any any less able than than Miami's is at like any point in time you look at all three levels of the defense everything you know you, you can probably make an argument pretty easily that Miami's linebackers are better but overall in the front seven I, I you know Clemson's up there with any of them I, I would feel a little bit better about Pittsburgh if, if there were two things here Mike a that Pittsburgh were a little more capable of being diverse on offense they seem to want to channel every everything through their running game And I just don't trust them to get their running game going and succeeding against Clemson to where um, they would be able to create an effective play action attack off of that. So that's my concern about their offense. And then on the other hand, I would feel a lot better about Pittsburgh's chances here if Clemson didn't have a lot of ways of beating you. And I think about last year's Clemson team with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. They were really good, and they won all their games, and, and they went into the, the playoff undefeated, if I remember correctly. But there was just there was a certain limitation that there they had stylistically of, you know, if you if you went up against a team that could uh, could slow down or, or shut down the Clemson rushing attack, which not many could, but if if they did, they didn't really have a second option. You know, Kelly Bryant was not particularly effective at beating teams over the top, which is something that Trevor Lawrence has done exceptionally well all year. Um, so having that element to their offense, I I just don't know that uh, they're going to have any sort of trouble moving the ball in a lot of cases, even if, if Pittsburgh can take one thing away, that's one of several things that Clemson can use to beat you as opposed to, you know, Pittsburgh basically having one thing to beat you on, on, on offense. So I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I think I'm just going to lay the 26 and a half with Clemson. Um, it's, that's a lot of points, especially for a conference championship game and you figure a, a Pittsburgh team that, can and will shorten the game with a rushing attack and and is going to try to grind it out where they can. But um, I I just, I don't know that Pittsburgh is going to be able to score much. And I think Clemson is going to have an easy time getting into the thirties at least. Um, So yeah, I'm going to lay the 26 and a half with Clemson here. My gut feels silly, but it is what it is. But it doesn't feel too silly. Yeah. I mean that, I don't know. I wish this game were a little more interesting, but with the coastal division being what it is this year where we've had five teams finish seven and five. And that that's the best that you've seen in the division. I mean, this is what we were destined for, I suppose. Uh, Mike, let's move on. The Virginia tech Hokies, your Hokies, a four point home favorite at noon on the ACC network extra. They're taking on the Marshall thundering herd. And uh, as much as this is a, a makeup game or it was kind of a, Scheduled game and it wasn't even necessarily going to happen until virginia tech beat virginia uh Hokies lost a game uh, and i say lost a game they lost a game off of the schedule to a hurricane back in september they need a 12th game now to have a chance at bowl eligibility so they got one now on the calendar against marshall on saturday uh they're a four-point home favorite i don't know necessarily that virginia tech is a better team than marshall mike and that sounds weird but it's it's maybe as much as it's an indictment of virginia tech it's also kind of a uh, a compliment to marshall i think marshall is a pretty good team this is not a gimme win for virginia tech by any means
1: marshall is better than east carolina and i'm looking at you know this through that prism where virginia tech you know virginia tech loses the east carolina game to the hurricane they schedule marshall instead and now you're hoping that the hokies are able to pull pull off a sixth win against an arguably better team uh, than East Carolina and Marshall is Marshall is strong in the passing game um, they they have a decent running attack the offense can put up some points and I worry about that where the Virginia Tech defense that has struggled to tackle all year long um, they've been really up and down for a majority of the season I look at this game and it really makes me wonder whether or not Virginia Tech is really going to have any energy left coming off of the game against Virginia, an emotional win in a rivalry game, winning the 15th straight game against the Cavaliers in a game that went to overtime, Um, a game where, you know, the players and the seniors especially were very emotionally invested uh, in getting the victory. And it seemed like a huge weight off of the shoulders of um, the players and the coaching staff to beat UVA. Uh, in what was supposed to be the season finale, so now you got to turn around a little over a week later uh, and, and play Marshall. And you look at this game, and Marshall, like you said, is a very good team. They are uh, they've played more consistently throughout the year than Virginia Tech has. That's for sure. And it really makes me wonder whether or not the Hokies have any energy left to get up for this game. It is for bowl eligibility so you hope that the players are ready to go and they want to extend the bowl streak and you know officially capture the um the title of having uh, the longest bowl streak in the country um now the florida state's lost so there are a lot of moving parts here i it's it's just going to be interesting to see how much gas is left in the tank for virginia tech on both sides of the football and for the coaching staff and uh, is everyone ready to get up for this 12th game of the year here uh, on December 1st on a you know championship weekend in which the Hokies were hoping they were playing in um, in a different capacity perhaps in Charlotte right mm-hmm. uh, but that you know you that doesn't happen for you and now you're you're playing Marshall and you got to get up for the game because bowl eligibility is on the line I'm not sure they're going to get up for this game Joey I'm actually going to pick Marshall in an upset here. Uh, I think Marshall beats Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. And this is something I I told you um, when, when this was tentatively scheduled before the UVA game. I said, a lot of people are going to look at this and say, oh, yeah, Virginia Tech beats UVA. They're going to a bowl game. No problem. And I, I told you, not so fast. Marshall's a pretty decent football team. Uh, I, and I predicted at the time to you, not on here, but I predicted to you at the time that Virginia Tech would lose this game um, against Marshall. So I'm going on the record with that in the podcast. I think Marshall beats Virginia tech. And, um, I, I think picks get ugly here in Blacksburg.
0: I was going to say, I I'm kind of tempted to do the same. Um, just, it feels like if nothing else, it would be a contrarian pick. You know, you feel like the public probably looks at this and says, Oh, it's, <laughs> it's Virginia tech in Blacksburg. Who the hell's Marshall? They're not going to come in there and win that game. But I mean, Marshall's been a fairly consistent football team. I would say if there's good news for Virginia Tech here in the matchup, Marshall has looked good this year in a lot of cases, but they have not played a lot of, of particularly good competition. Um, now, is Virginia Tech particularly good competition? That's a different discussion perhaps, but it's it's not that Marshall ha- has played bigger, batter teams all year. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, they did play NC State earlier in the year, but that was a pretty comfortable win for the Wolfpack. Um that's probably the best data point that we're going to have, because I believe that's the only top 50 team by S and P plus that Marshall's played all year. Um, yeah, I think I might be with you here, Mike. I'm going to, I might take Marshall plus the four and maybe outright. Um, one of the biggest concerns to me here, this, this really stylistically, this is probably going to kind of work out a little bit to a, uh, a what do we want to call this a movable force against or a movable object versus the uh stoppable force um marshall has typically won games defensively they they are like a top 10 defensive team by s p plus um so they're they're gonna play a low scoring brand of football typically their offense is not a top 100 offense so them trying to score against the Hokies defense which has been very inconsistent throughout the year at best i don't know necessarily how i feel about any of that um Do I go contrarian or do I go Hokies? You know what, Mike? Screw it. I'm gonna take Virginia Tech. I'm gonna take the Hokies. Um, I'm I'm gonna lay the four. I'm not gonna feel good about it, but I think that they're gonna want to be there more than Marshall does. I think that they now, you know, you're probably a little energized coming off the Virginia game. Um, You got a chance to get to bowl eligibility. 60 minutes of football, just get it right for one day, and you keep a streak of a quarter century, a lot quarter century century alive there it yeah. is yeah that's a professional podcaster right there yep um, yeah i'll take the Hokies lay the four and um i'm gonna guess that they get it done and we're gonna come back on sunday and laugh at how questionable of a pick that ended up being fair fair uh last one mike noon also on the acc network extra the nc state wolf pack also have a game i think they're just trying to get in another home game to get ticket revenue and that kind of thing They're a 23-point favorite at home against the East Carolina Pirates. Um, Been a bit of an up-and-down season for the Pirates. Um, NC State coming off of a win, although not necessarily a particularly convincing win, um, over their rival uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. And honestly, 23 points feels like a lot, especially given that East Carolina can score. Um, they can score some points. I'm just going to go ahead and take the pirates plus the 23 here. I, I, maybe this is a a two touchdown comfortable kind of win. East Carolina did just get the doors blown off them by Cincinnati last week, 56 to six. But I mean, East Carolina is not really in the business of getting blown out like that this year. In most cases, I don't know that I trust NC state to totally just run away and hide with this one. So I'm going to take the pirates plus the 23. I don't think they actually win the game outright, but, um, I think they keep it a little bit closer.
1: I have trust issues with NC State. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I have trust issues with NC State. Um, So East Carolina was actually supposed to be a lot worse than they actually are. Um, And record-wise, they're not great. Uh, But with that being said, uh, they can score a little bit. They are capable of scoring. And um, it was pretty funny. We were talking before the season about, you know, we were previewing a lot of these teams because a lot of these ACC teams do schedule East Carolina. So East Carolina came up a good bit. We were like, okay, well, Scotty Montgomery is pretty screwed, like Gardner Minshew transferred and like he's been dead man walking for a while. And all of a sudden, East Carolina, like has tried to look competitive for better part of the season, which is an upset, in my opinion. Uh, The record is about what we thought it would be, but they tried to be competitive a lot. And uh, NC State is very inconsistent and they're better than East Carolina and NC State will win this game but I'm with you. I like East Carolina to cover 23 here. Uh, And I, I think that they'll score enough, even if it's in a backdoor cover capacity uh, to get it, to get it done and cover the spread here. Three touchdowns seems like a ton of points for an NC state team that offensively has not been great, uh, especially the last month or so. Ryan Finley in particular has not been very good. Um, So it's, it's been interesting for NC state to say the least. And um, I, I trust East Carolina Even with all their ups and downs to keep this thing within three scores,
0: you know, Mike, if you want to go straight up transitive property here, uh, NC State just beat North Carolina by six in overtime. You know who beat North Carolina earlier this year by a solid, you know, 20, 22 points? That would be East Carolina, Joey. That'd be the Pirates, Mike. Uh, the Pirates won that game by 22 points in September. So therefore, I'm pretty sure they're better than NC State outright. Um, if you just want to go by that logic, but I, is that responsible? Perhaps not. Um, yeah, Pirates plus 23. And we don't
1: we don't do responsible here. Remember no, that.
0: no, that is not the that is not the podcast motto here. Um, all right. So that's all we got, Mike. Three games. We got the ACC championship. And we got a couple of makeup games of different shapes and sizes. We got a couple more things to discuss here. Um, first off, we we talked on the recap podcast. Gana gave a little bit of an update on the coaching search going on at Louisville. The update then was that we don't know much. The update now is that we know perhaps a little bit more. Um, it sounds like Louisville's athletic director Vince Tyra is um, having some discussions with the you know people in Brahms camp, and there's some kind of financial jostling going on on what Louisville wants to commit to him versus what he wants to commit to Louisville. Um, it, the way that the, a couple of these articles, you know, so I, I saw the article particularly on football scoop, uh, which take that for what it's worth. Um, he, it kind of, the way it reads is that Louisville might be cheaping out on this and I really hope not, but, um, it did also indicate that we should have some sort of update path forward here in the next 24 hours or so as we record Tuesday night, Um, which would indicate either they're going to get Jeff Brom or they will be moving on to other candidates. So, uh, stay tuned for that, I suppose. Yep. I mean, I hope they get Jeff Brom. That would be cool. Um, but it's also kind of comforting, I guess, knowing that there's other good names out there. I mean, both Scott Satterfield and Neil Brown and Luke Fickle have all been kind of tied to this job in that same article. So, um, if, if they don't get Jeff Brom, I mean, it's not the end of the world. So it's, it's not, the, not the biggest deal. But I, I would hope that Louisville is not taking the, uh, you know, cheaping out approach on this one. I, I think this is a, a major opportunity to make a home run higher. And I, I really hope that they're going to go to the measures needed to uh, to kind of do that. You would hope so. Uh,
1: you mentioned that you know you're reading off Football Scoop. Uh, just ran across the bottom line of ESPN that it was first reported by 24/7 Sports, and ESPN confirmed that Brom has met with Louisville uh, about the head coaching job. So Uh-oh. that's game on, Mike. Uh, game on. Game on. Uh, now, I I believe all the money talk that you were just discussing. I don't know why Louisville would not go to the ends of the earth to try to make this thing work with Jeff Brom. It makes too much sense. He's been their number one guy from the start. He was their number one guy before the season started. If all things went to hell, which, you know, the season went much worse than anticipated for Louisville. Um, They decided to make the change. I get it's a big buyout number for Petrino. I get all of that, but you got a guy in Jeff Brom who can really turn the program around. Like you said, and he's done it at Purdue already. Um, I I know Purdue's not going to a bowl game this year, but you think about where Purdue was a few years ago and they were having trouble winning two to three games a year. They were really, really, really struggling. Um, Couldn't even get the fans in the seats. And now fans are back coming to the games and, you know, Purdue lands Rondell Moore uh, one of the top wide receivers in the country, which would have never happened under previous regimes. Right. So Jeff Brom can recruit, Um, he's got the program heading in the right direction at Purdue. Um, If he were to stay at Purdue another year, they would certainly become bowl eligible next year, just given what they have returning off of this year's team um, and the experience they've gained and and how the team has progressed and how the program has progressed under Brom. So I think a lot of that is, you know, a a lot of those traits that you're seeing out of the Jeff Brom coach team would carry over to Louisville with, a program that already has a ton of talent in place and you've mentioned this before joey i'm not sure how big of a rebuild it necessarily would have to be at louisville because the talent is already there on multiple levels um petrino was able to recruit okay uh, much better at the start of his second stint there than towards the end but he was able to get talent at louisville and if you give jeff Braum more talent certainly more talent than he has at purdue Outside of Rondale Moore, Purdue doesn't have a whole lot they're working with there. Uh, And and Louisville has a lot more than that there now already. And you would think that the way he's recruited, he'll be able to do the same at Louisville uh, at a program that's easy to recruit to in the ACC. Um, You know, you're playing Florida State, you're playing Clemson, you're playing in national TV games. Uh, You put guys in the NFL. So it's a job where you can recruit. Uh, it's a place Jeff Brom is extremely familiar with. It's a home run hire. It's it, it makes way too much sense not to happen. We've talked about that at length. So we'll have to see if Louisville's ready to pony up the money that it takes to bring him in. And if not, who's the next guy? And you, you mentioned a handful of candidates there as well. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, certainly coming off the recap, we weren't really sure what was going on at Louisville. And now it certainly, had, certainly looks like it's heading in the direction of Jeff Brom like it should be
0: it does feel a little bit like a now or never kind of situation to me. I, I you know, if it doesn't work out with Jeff Brom here and it, you go to call it Neil Brown or whoever, and it's, you work with them for four or five years and it doesn't go great and you got to hire another coach. I don't know that you're getting Jeff Brom in the future. Uh, it, it feels like this is just the way that these um, you know, this institution is connected to him. And, and obviously there's, there's a very special place in his heart for Louisville, but at the same time, um, I could see him coming out of this whole thing with a bit of a sour taste in his mouth and, and not really wanting to go through it again in the future if it doesn't go great. So, uh, at this point, it's on Vince Tyra. I mean, get it right and, and do it right; otherwise, uh, you might be uh, you might have burned your best uh, your best option early on and uh, be taking a considerable step down from there. So, but hopefully not. And uh, hopefully not.
1: And Louisville, I think, is much more desperate at this point than Jeff Brahm is like Jeff Brom's building something at Purdue. He can do the same thing at Louisville if they want him to. And if they don't, he'll stay at Purdue and do his thing. Mm -hmm. Louisville, meanwhile, it's like, who's plan B? And is plan B going to be a a guy who you're going to be able to sell to the fan base as much as you would with Jeff Brom? Because the fan base is so ready for Jeff Brom that if you don't get him, you better hire a likable guy or else the fan base will turn on him quickly, which won't be fair. It, it wouldn't be fair to a second coaching candidate if things didn't go well at the start. Uh, but you know the fan base will be pretty restless if, A, they don't get Jeff Brom, and, B, they, they sputter with whoever the next guy is if it's not Brom. So keep an eye on that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, just do not let this whole coaching search turn into a circus. That's, I think that's the biggest, biggest issue here. Yep. Um, Mike, anything else on that before we move on? I think we need to move on, Joey? We should move on. Uh, last thing I've got, Mike. Uh, I've got a little bit of personal news. We have not. Uh, we not done a whole lot of personal news on this on this year's show, but uh, did want to pass along. And I, I thought about this: is we started this show uh, about a, you know was what was it July of 2016? It was right after I got married. Uh, about a year later, not quite. Uh, we got the house, uh, and shortly after that, we got the dog. And Mike, we're on schedule. Um, I'm going to be a dad. Joey's going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. Dad life's coming uh, June 2019. Um, we have already found out it is a little boy, so that's exciting. I'm um, going to have somebody to share my Georgia Tech fandom slash misery with, um, so that'll be wonderful. Um, the dog will have someone to constantly harass her and play with her, and that'll be great. Um, but, yeah, Mike, I'm going to be a dad, and that's uh, exciting, and um, I'm looking forward to it.
1: I'm very excited for you and Maggie, and it'll be awesome, yeah' it'll be awesome
0: every last minute of it will be awesome,
1: yes, that's <laughs> fatherhood Everyone. that's fatherhood from what I hear <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, but seriously,
0: congratulations. it'll be great thank you, thank you yeah, it is uh, it's a it's very exciting time. Um, it feels super weird to be growing up, but you know uh it's. It's exciting, you know. We've always talked about having a family, and so uh, this will be our, our first, other than our okay. dog, other than the dog. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I just wanted to, wanted to share that with the listeners and let them know
1: you're now responsible for keeping a human alive.
0: Oh, whoa, 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 <laughs> that's that's a thought, yeah. Um, okay, oh, I'm frozen wh- in time wh- now. Wh- well, one, one
1: more, one more thing, too, Joey. Uh, we talked about how you were hoping that the baby would get on a normal sleep schedule as the baby is due in June of next year and mm-hmm. get on a normal sleep schedule before football season. And I joked with you, I said, or you'll be a huge fan of Pac-12 after dark, even more so than you already are.
0: So Hell yeah. You'll be
1: getting in on all that Pac-12 betting action with the baby in your arms.
0: Try and to a get a beer it in my hand and yeah. a
1: beer in your hand and uh, got to sleep somehow.
0: Peak dad life right there is what it will be. Peak dad
1: life. Yep. <laughs> peak dad
0: life. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll keep you guys updated and, you know, hopefully that will largely, uh, affect p- the podcast in, in the, uh, in the off season, you know, so hopefully not a huge impact, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated as, as, uh, things progress there and we get closer to the actual day of being a dad. So, um, but, yeah, I was excited to share that with you, Mike, and all the listeners. So um, I appreciate the, uh, the well wishes there. Yep. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Don't think so. Um, pray for my hokies
1: Again, I say that every week, but this is a, uh, this is a big one. And uh, we'll see if they get up for it. I'm holding strong with you, Mike. Holding strong. That. Appreciate that. Because one of our teams is bowl eligible, and one of them is really floundering.
0: One of them is the Hokies, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> One of them is the Hokies, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm standing with you. I got, I got the Hokies minus the four. I'm believing for better or worse. I'm believing. Yep, and I'm, and I'm not, but I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> Are you going to the game? I am. Okay, I am. How much you pay for that ticket? If I'm allowed to ask, fifteen dollars. <laughs> there you go. More for beers. There you go. Yeah, that's fair. They serve beer in the stadium
1: there? No, uh, no. Oh, that but would be nice. It doesn't mean you can't get one in. That's a valid point, or, or I mean, multiple. That's never happened before.
0: If you don't get one in, you ain't trying. Exactly. <laughs> Try harder. All right. Well, enjoy that. Hopefully, uh, enjoy your trip, and uh, we will come back and recap these games on Sunday. How's that? Sounds good, bud. All right. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRSJoey. He's at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, concerns, your uh, comments to the longest email address, no demand basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. I'm, I, I messed up the, uh, the mount there a little bit. I, I kind of stumbled into it. So I'll work on that for next time. All good. Uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google play SoundCloud, the overcast app, wherever we find podcasts are sold for free. And you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias,
1: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate, review, find all of our podcasts there, Joe.
0: Yeah, please do. Please do. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. If you so choose, um, you can see, you know, Mike's got a, a shirt on and the, and the thing that's kind of poking its way into the window kind of looks like a, uh, a rude gesture. Um, Oh, it's uh, a building. Belmont stakes, man. It's a building. Okay. Cause the top of that building kind of looked like a rude gesture when it was the only piece of the building I could see in the frame. So just, <laughs> I was going to say mood. I've been feeling real, uh, real appreciated here from your shirt. So appreciate that. Mood. Uh, man, mood. That's right. Um, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Want to come back and recap these games Sunday? Yes, sir. All right. Well, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Until next time, enjoy the games. Uh, hopefully, we'll see if the, uh, the ACC can get a team in the playoff. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC.